guys, this is Jeremy. This is Corey. And this is the uh, Cultivate and Keep podcast where we talk about what it means to be a uh, man as a Christian. There you go. You got it. I got it. I got it right. Got it down. Um, So uh, for this episode, we're going to talk about kind of a few key turning points in um, both mine and Corey's lives of um, key times of when we just had experiences or interactions with people that have uh, shaped who we are today and kind of just had a big impact on us. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully this will kind of give us, give you some insight into um, yourself, but also, or into our lives, but also for yourself. Yeah, and that, exactly. you know, recognizing some of these kind of turning points in how they've shaped you, whether you know it or not, and sort of taking a look back. And um, I think, th- I mean, this was cool for me. I've actually, I've thought about this idea before, but now that we, you know, we planned it out, we kind of talked about, or we wrote down what we wanted to talk about. Um, it was cool for me to kind of look back and, mm-hmm. you know, these are some of the big things that have happened that have made me who I am today. Yeah. And it's kind of like, as I was doing it, I realized, okay, so st- we're, no, we're both young. Like this isn't like end all, you know, but yeah. so far in our so life, far. here's, you know, where we've come and it kind of makes you think like what's, you know, in, in 10 years from now, what's going to be different. You know? That's or, true. I hadn't or, thought about that. the new, you know, turning point is going to be. Um, so, you know, as we talk about these things, we, we hope that you guys can kind of think for your life, you know, what are your turning points? You know, what in your life has shaped you? And uh, maybe it's happening right now. Maybe it was a couple of months ago, a couple yeah. of years ago. But, you know, what has impacted your life? And also, um, how can you impact others' lives? So, yeah, yeah. for sure. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Well, should I fire us off? Or Do you? it. Go, go for it, bro. All right, bro. Cool. Sometimes uh, Corey hogs the floor, so... I get, I get excited not to do that. when he defers to me. Yeah. Just kidding. He definitely has the better like podcast voice going on. So, I do sound pretty crispy. You do sound crispy. I don't know. We're both pretty crispy, but uh, maybe I... A nah, bit let's just stop there. Yeah, we're both... Yeah, we'll, just, yeah. we'll, we'll discuss let's that practice some. Let's cultivate some humility right exactly. here. Exactly. Good for you. All right. Um. So... Uh, kind of a little backtrack a little bit. So last week, me and Corey were just kind of talking, you know, about this coming week, what we wanted to discuss on the on the episode. And um, we talked about doing this. And so it was kind of funny when I sat down to kind of think about, um, for me, you know, what are a few key moments that have shaped who I am today? Um, it was it was pretty easy for me to think of stuff. It's kind of funny how quick it came to my mind. Yeah. And I think for some people, I, I wonder like how it is for others, if it's like that or it might be more difficult i don't know um for me there's a few there's a few key distinct things that i wrote down and the first was um and i i've shared this before on another episode not really sure what when that one's coming out so (laughs) i don't know but i don't know either i might be i might be repetitive but um, maybe not so i'll share it um so when i was a senior in high school um i had this moment it was so i was um near the end of my senior year and I was on my way to like a church, like um, small group meetup thing for some high school students. And I was driving there and I had this moment of uh, the sun was like setting and I was l- listening to worship music. The windows were down. You, you kind of got to feel the setting, you know. And um, I uh, as I was driving, I had this moment of kind of like thinking about my life and thinking about where I was as a 17 year old. And I was thinking like I kind of realized my life at that point was everything that I hoped it would be and more. And it was like this cool moment of just uh, the Lord kind of assuring me like simply that, you know, he fulfilled the desires of my heart at that season season of my life. And he um, walked me through a season and just simply satisfied me. And I I felt so fulfilled. Kind of the the backstory to that was when I was starting high school, um, I felt compelled to give up a few of my hobbies and to um, kind of get involved in some ministry. And so I remember... When I started high school, I had a plan. I had a vision of what I wanted my high school years to look like. And that involved, you know, playing sports and kind of just, you know, um, going that whole route. And at the end of my freshman year, I felt called to get involved in ministry and to um, not not pursue playing sports. And so at the when, when you say when you felt called to, can you explain that a little bit just in like kind of the detail? Like what, like what does that actually mean? Yeah, so... Um, it's a good question. So I, um, I would say that it was kind of like a tug, like a, like a simple, like a, like a stirring, I would say. Uh, yeah, I, I just felt like at the end of my freshman year, I kind of, I remember like started freshman year, you know, did the whole, played, played the sports, you know, did it all. And then 
kind of, I think it was like, you know, what, May, June and the years ending, the school years ending. I remember kind of thinking, like looking back at the year and thinking, thinking, okay, like one year down, three to go. Like, is this how I want the next three years to look? And at that point, I I, I remember just kind of feeling like a tug in my heart and in my mind of like there there was more and that um, I can't really explain it, but I simply just felt a tug and a pull to get involved in ministry. Pretty simple. That's, That's kind of all I can really yeah. put to it it's hard to give it words but like like a tug is what i would say you know kind of like a sense mm-hmm. um and so uh that was my freshman year right and so anyway i decided to not play sports anymore and i got involved in ministry and in another episode i kind of explained that in detail but um at the time when i was a freshman like i had no idea what was going to happen it was simply you know me saying okay here's what i want to do but you know like lord i'm not going to do that like i'm going to do what i feel i'm called to and Let's see what happens. Fast forward four years, end of my senior year of high school, and it was like, dude, my life was just everything I wanted, and so much more than that. Like, yeah. I can't explain the feeling that I had, but it was so rad just to feel so um, fulfilled. And so the reason why that's a big like mark in my life is because at that age, I realized, like, okay, going forward, this is how I'm going to live my life. If I feel called for something, I'm going to do it. You know, if I feel the Lord is is tugging in my heart and and you asked like, how do you Mm. know that? And I think I'm still figuring that out. But when I feel that tug, when I feel called, whether it's clear or if it's ambiguous, like whatever it is, like I'm going to, if I know the Lord's behind it, I'm going to do it. And, um, that was a huge marker for me. Yeah. Yeah, That's cool. Well, when, when you think about, um, so that, that moment, I mean, did that help you, uh, sort of discern the next moments? And like the next times that the Lord called you to do something or tugged on your heart to kind of pursue some other area. Uh, yeah, it was kind of funny as, uh, I think it's my, Oh, one second. We've got a visitor. We got a visitor. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll for sure edit that out. I don't know. I think we should keep it. Yeah. Probably edit out. We'll see. I'm just going to stick to my no editing mantra. Yeah, All right. Um, <laughs> I have no idea where I was. Like not even a little bit. Uh oh! I asked you about how, if that moment helped you discern other ah, and moments in the future, like, transition smoothly. Then my dad and oh yeah, yeah yeah. But after we edit this, it'll be nice and smooth. So um, okay. oh yeah. So yeah yeah okay. So it's one of my later points I'll hit on in, in a little bit. But um, to answer your question, yes, like one hundred percent. I think learning that from a young age, um, really played a part. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the first moment for me was uh, when I gave my life to the Lord at Future Quest. Um, and so a quick backstory on that. And again, you can listen to our testimonies episode where we talk further about, um, I think, Jeremy's previous reference and then this one I am too. But uh, basically, short, you know, long story short, I grew up as a Christian, uh, great parents, good family, was homeschooled for a while, kind of nothing really wrong with my life in a lot of ways. I was very blessed. Uh, around middle school, fell away from the Lord, decided I didn't want that life, and I wanted to live sort of in sin and explore what the world had for me. Uh, and then totally by God's grace and orchestration, I managed to make it to Foothills uh, Christian High School, and that's where I met Jeremy, and then Jeremy invited me to a small group, and then I got involved in two Foothills Church. And every year, Foothills ho- uh, hosts an annual youth conference called Future Quest. And uh, so I remember this was, so a little context for this. I I wasn't really a Christian. I didn't consider myself a believer. I, I definitely knew that I wasn't walking with the Lord at that point. And for the past like nine months, I had been sort of immersed in this Christian environment where I was going to a Christian school. Now the friends that I was kind of developing were all Christians. I was invited to small groups. So I was going to church you know, events and church sort of functions. And I had had my first, uh, like really strong, tangible, um, moment with, you know, in, in God's presence where I met with the Lord at a winter camp, which is a high school winter camp for the Foothills hosts. And that was the first time where basically I just cried out to God, like, I, I want this and I need you to teach me. I need you to, to show me how to be a Christian. And I need you to call me to you. And, um, and so I had this really cool, 
uh, experience with the Lord where I, I felt his presence and I knew that he was calling me, but I still hadn't made any sort of commitment. And, um, and so now this is like five or six months later going into my sophomore year of high school where I was at this youth conference and I was with a lot of friends that I've been learning a lot. And I really felt the Lord talking about on my heart. I had been reading the Bible a lot. I've been reading other books. I read this book called the way of the master, which was really fundamental for me. Um, and so it all kind of culminated into this one moment where, uh, again, it was Bill Wilson was one of the guest speakers. He is a pastor and founder of Metro Ministries in New York, huge children's ministry. And if you know Bill Wilson, you should look him up. Or I'm sorry, if you don't know, you should look him up. If you know him, you know that he's a very sort of loud, uh, crazy character. Like he's just kind of surreal. He's sort of like otherworldly. And um, so he's super, I mean, engaging. Like he's the most engaging speaker I think I've ever witnessed. Uh, and part of that is, is his voice, which is really raspy. I'm not going to do an impression. If Jeremy wants to, he can. But, uh, but basically, he was talking about the scripture, Revelation 3. I think it's verses 16 through 17, I want to say. And, he, and it's about the Lord talking to the church. And he says, because you are, you are neither hot nor cold, you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And that hit me like a stack of bricks. Like it was just like, I am lukewarm and this isn't working for me. And I'm like, this isn't going to result in anything. You know what I mean? Like it hit me so hard that God would rather me be against him than he would be in some sort of weird, you know, serving two masters kind of state. Yeah. And, uh, and so like that, you know, during the message was just like, Oh my gosh, this is me. This is for me. God is calling me like, this is the moment. And, um, and so I, I knew I had to make a decision either. I'm going to walk away from this. Like I, I knew that I didn't want to be lukewarm anymore. Essentially was what it was. I knew that I either needed to make a decision to be against God or before him. And so when Bill Wilson gave the, the altar call, uh, to come forward and give your life to Christ and mm-hmm. to be hot and to be you know on fire for God, so to speak. Um, I ran up and with like a thousand other kids, <laughs> I went down on my knees and I just started bawling my eyes out and I gave my life to the Lord and asked him, you know, to forgive me. And I repented and devoted my life to him and, uh, and started that relationship, uh, with Christ. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'll be, I mean, that's a, a very huge pivotal moment, um, for any person who has come to know the Lord essentially for the first time. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't grow up in it and really mm. cultivate that relationship at a young age. Um, and I, I mean, overnight it was pretty much a, not like a 180 change. Like it, it wasn't like I was a drug dealer and had tats on my body for the people that I had murdered, but it was like, <laughs> it was like my, my heart completely changed and I w- I've literally felt a burden lifted off of me and I knew that I was a new person and mm. Bill Wilson talks about, you know, Therefore, you are a new creation. The old is past. The new has come. And that really resonated with me. I knew that that was real for me. And so, so many things changed. Like, I mean, a, a part of that, we had just kind of recorded a, the, the episode on, um, on oh, to cultivate and keep, like the definitions of it. And Jeremy referenced how I was sort of a, a different person in high school. And a lot of this has just been the Lord working on me and my identity and forming me into the person that he wants me to be. And, and so I went from sort of, I went very gradually and slowly from this really shy, reserved, insecure kid into a more outgoing kind of, mm-hmm. uh, I would still, I mean, I'm still an introvert, but I'm definitely more outgoing, definitely more active. Uh, I have confidence and, you know, and the Lord is basically making me who he wants me to be. Um, so overnight, you know, I was doing crazy things like, uh, you know, really pursuing friendships, you know, like with you, for example, it was like, I'm not going to be in this weird spot where like, I don't know if we're friends, we're not friends. And like, I really want to go and invest in all these guys at small group. Uh, I did a crazy thing, like started leading worship for our group, which was super scary because I had never sung before or even knew that I could sing. And I had sort of just gotten back into playing guitar again. Um, and, uh, and I mean, that was really scary. And then getting involved in ministry, uh, and it was sort of all these, like it just changes in my life of like the old Corey wouldn't have done this 
the new one is. And that's just a testament for who God was making me to be. And it's funny, like, so I, I uh, grew up with Corey, like through all this. Um, well, I met him when he was a freshman. So I met him like right when kind of change was kind of starting to happen. Yeah. But I had no idea that, that all this was going on, like underneath the surface. Right. You know, I didn't Isn't know he was like some like bad kid supposedly, or like that he, like was insecure, like scared and didn't want to like make friends. Like I didn't know any of that, yeah. you know, I thought he'd been playing guitar for a long time, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I've been funny. playing for like nine months probably. Yeah. It's funny how we can like mask that and we just don't know. Like right. I have no idea. You just never know. Um, but again, that's just a testament to what God was doing. Mm-hmm. So that was a big moment for me. That's cool. Um, yeah. So for me, so my second, second time in my life, uh, I think it was when I was like a sophomore in high school. Um, so I was probably 15, 16. Um, one of the pastors from my church, uh, at like a time of ministry, um, like some like worship night, he came up to me and he had a word for me. And so he pulled me aside and said, Jeremy, he said, in your family there, um, there's, a, there's a line of talent in your family. And there, so for me, there's five kids and two parents and I'm the youngest of five. And so he said, you know, you are at the end of a line of seven people. Right. And he said, um, the Lord in you has placed parts of everyone. So pieces of, of what they have, of, of their talents and their skills and their traits, pieces, pieces of that is in you and more. And basically what he was hmm. saying was, um, he said, the Lord wants to use you um, in, in the workplace. He said in, in some big ways, um, like bigger than you know, bigger than you can expect, um, more than what he's done with, with um, the family that's gone before you. He wants to do uh, with you, he wants to do more basically. And, uh, wow. but his like key word was, but don't screw it up. Like basically what he was saying, like, <sighs> don't be a knucklehead. And his name is Jim Dealing. So if you know him, like Jim that's totally like what he would say, like, don't, be, <laughs> don't a knucklehead. be a knucklehead. Um, but what he was saying is basically like, look, here's your family. Here's what like everyone before you has already like done and accomplished. The Lord hmm. wants to do, you know, parts of that. He wants to pull from that and do that in you and then more, you know? And so it was, a, it was a cool, encouraging word. Wow. It was kind of scary, like, okay, God, I don't want to mess this up. Like, yeah. I want to be successful. I want to, you know, accomplish, like, more from, for, you know, for the family and for the kingdom of God. But I don't know, like, how or I don't know how to how to not mess it up, basically. When was this again? That was uh, sophomore year. So I was, like, 15, 16. Really? It was, like, a oh very distinct. I remember it very well. That's uh, so it was, young, it too. It was really distinct, yeah. And what was hmm. funny, cause so for me, like, my whole life, I've always been, like, told, like, from like, a little kid, like, you're like a businessman like that's how like, your mind works <laughs> like yay and i've always kind of thought cool like what does that mean yeah, like, how does that practically apply to my life and so like that was the first like real like biblical like godly kind of like prophecy that i've ever like heard you know mm. and so that was cool that it was like promising and kind of along those lines and then yeah so there was that one and then um uh, a few years later this one was a lot more relevant to me uh, it was when I think I was like 20, maybe two, I think I was 20 years old. Um, my sister Jenny, um, so her husband now at the time, uh, it was just the guy he was, uh, she was dating. His name is Brian. Uh, and so at this point he had been dating her for, I think four months. So he like brand oh, new, to right. f- brand new to the family. Like no one really knew who he was. Like I didn't know him. Uh, but Brian like has, you know, has loved the Lord for a long time and, uh, he, he's always been really into like prophecies and spiritual gifts and whatnot. And so, um, in, in my family, when we have a birthday, uh, what, what we do is we write letters. So if it's your birthday, you know, when we open presents and have like, you know, dessert, whatever, uh, we do like words of encouragement in the form of a letter. So everyone like writes a letter and you share some nice words and like, that's it basically. And so, um, it was my birthday. So everyone like had a letter for me, which that sounds weird, but that's kind of what my family does. Yeah. It's just, I remember um, the first time it kind of freaked me out. Yeah, like what is this? What? They're just reading. How I describe it is basically words of affirmation in the form of a letter. That's kind yeah, of what it is. It's cool. And we do a letter because that way you can keep it and you can look back on it. Right. So anyway, that's what we were doing. Right. So it was my birthday. Uh, Brian had been dating Jenny for, I think four months, like whatever. So just uh, like brand, it's not a long time. Yeah. So he, my point is, he didn't know me. Is right. what I'm trying to get, yeah, yeah, get yeah. across. I think I had met him one time before that, and uh, for some reason, he he felt compelled to write me a letter, which is like weird. Like, so by the way, for these birthdays, like you don't have to do a letter. Like, if you just want to like say a few nice words, you can. Or if you don't want to say anything, like that's fine too. Yeah. Like, if you're not in like the immediate family. Well, even if you are, like, it's not like mandatory. Like, it's oh, just, I didn't know that. When, when I we feel were, like it when, is. When we were little kids, it was like oh yeah, but yeah, now yeah. it's like whatever. Right to Daniel. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you don't have to. So, um, but he felt compelled to write me a letter, and so, um, 
long story short, basically in his letter, and I still have it to this day, and it was like, hmm. this is, I think, the strongest and like biggest prophecy I've ever had, and it's like, it's pretty crazy. Basically, um, he basically said all of the same things that Jim said, um, but like more. So he went and he used the story of, he said, the Lord, um, like when he met me, he said the Lord, like kind of, uh, he felt like the the life and like the word that God gave to Abraham, which which was basically that, you know, um, that basically all of the lines of, Oh yeah. yeah, right. Will descend from him the families of um, of Jesus and the Christian like uh, name will will come from Abraham basically. Yeah. The genealogy of Jesus. Yeah, will extend from his family. Right from Abraham. Um, he basically said like so. Think of how big that is, right? Of all the people in the world, yeah. all the Christians at least that how we've really come we've come from Abraham. So he was saying the Lord wants to do like that, like to that extent. He wants to use me in like the workplace and in the business world. Hmm. That was his um, like prophecy for me, and so wow. like that one like hit me like holy cow, this guy doesn't because so because Jim knew me, he knew my family, like he knows like so I kind of felt like oh that's cool, but that just he knows my family, so that maybe it's like right. a biased prophecy, whatever I don't know. But uh, Brian like didn't know us and like, didn't know me and had didn't know who I was, and so to me that one like really stuck with me and it was super encouraging, and so that was like a huge defining moment of okay God like. So, and even to this day, I don't know what that is, but I'm still like holding on to that. Okay. Like I feel like you're, you're calling me to something. So what is it? You know, it's kind of how Mm. I feel. So So it's not as much about like, what do you do with that? But it's, you know, you, you hold it and you let that kind of marinate and you, and you really just keep that until God is ready to play that card. And then you're like, all right, well, yeah, I mean, I've been waiting God, you know what I mean? Like this, I've, I've known this that was going to come to happen. Right. So yeah, we talked in the previous episode about like sowing seeds and yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think about like in those times of waiting and of like, okay, you know, my life today is not what I want it to be. And this is not what I want to, you know, spend my time on earth doing. So I'm going to be patient. I'm going to, you know, keep working and, you know, and be patient until it comes to pass. And so, yeah, kind of one of those things of just, holding on to it, holding fast and it's kind of tucked away in my heart and I, I pray for that and, and I want that. So, yeah. And those two yeah. visions were like two huge yeah. seeds for your life. Yeah. And just, you know, obviously, I mean, if this was, uh, eight years ago, maybe, you yeah. know, give or take, like it's a big deal that you remember it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that the Lord placed it on your heart and then it's there. Like, it's not just some sort of fling, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? One thing I was going to say is, um, again, so the point of this isn't to just talk about me and Corey. Like, it's right. to... Think about yourself. Yeah, think of yourself. Like, think of, okay, so here are here are a few turning points for us, but for you, like, what are yours? And so, if you have any, you know, write them down. Because this, I, I wrote mm. it down. Yeah. And one thing, when Brian uh, shared this with me, again, he wrote it in a form of a letter. And so, he actually emailed it to me. So, I have it on file. Um, but he encouraged me to go and to read uh, the story of Abraham and to take notes on it. So, I did mm. that. And it was, like, super cool, like to like read kind of that story and then kind of compare it to with what he said. And so for me, like writing that stuff down has been good to reference and to hold on to in time when times are, are hard and I feel discouraged. And so for you guys, like, you know, when you think of turning points or significant moments, write it down, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the second big moment for me, um, it's funny that we, we sort of have a, uh, a similar, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that this is probably, this is, this could have been one for you. It's what I, what I meant to say. But when I quit basketball in high school, and again, it doesn't sound like a big deal. We, we've had, we've mentioned this like more than I ever thought we're that not, we would. We, we weren't like killer athletes. <laughs> just want to be very clear. Not like, at all. Hardly got any PT. Like no playing didn't, time. Didn't leave the bench really. Yeah, it's so funny that we're like, like that we're referencing this. <laughs> I think well, it's been like in every episode I'm that we've recorded sure. today. I feel like, but when I quit basketball, it was a big deal because. Um, Again, to reference, I, I wasn't good. Neither was Jeremy. We really, like, there was no hope for us in the beginning. I mean, yeah, just, just we're not born with we the genes or talent. Yeah. yeah. It was really just for fun. We had we were ambitious kids. Uh, but it was a big deal for me because um, I, I played sports sort of in middle school, not very much. And then I went into high school, like, I want to play sports. Like, I want to be, like, you know, I, I really went, I started going to Foothills pursuing the high school experience even though like that really wasn't the best place to get like your traditional worldly high school experience any anyway, I mean, that was before i was a christian and before i gave my life to the lord uh 
And so when I went to go play basketball, um, it was, it was something that like I held it. Like I, like this was something that I had to do. It was a part of me that like, I just, if I didn't do this, I wasn't going to be happy or feel, feel fulfilled or feel cool or feel like, you know, I had any place in life basically. And, um, and so then, you know, I sort of had this turning point where, well, turning point, I, I had this point in my life where it was after the season and it was sort of a miserable season because I was playing JV and uh, varsity. So I would practice varsity mm-hmm. and then I would practice JV and then we would go all the games, we'd play the JV games and then we would get like the two minutes at the end to play varsity. But I mean, the thing about it, we were freshmen and we were playing with guys who went on to play yeah. like and start in college who were really good and really talented. And this was no like walk in the park kind of practice. You know, we had Bradleaf who was, uh, you know, Israeli uh, basketball Michael league. Jordan, yeah. yeah, Michael Jordan, basically the equivalent. Um, and so there were good, hard, long practices. And basically I came to this point where like it was just a miserable season and, uh, and I didn't quit and I knew that I, I was not going to quit, but I knew that like, this is not for me. And, um, so I felt like when I quit basketball, I like finally mustered up the courage to tell Brad, Hey, I'm not going to play next season. Um, it was two parts. One, I wanted to pursue ministry and getting involved in ministry, which I never thought that I was going to do. I had no plans of doing that. But also I feel like it was sort of like the last piece of the puzzle of me giving up my old self when, and I had got saved like shortly after that, but the Lord was doing this work on me of like, give up everything that you were and that you were holding on to, and who the devil was saying that you were. And I thought that I had to be like this sports guy and, uh, largely kind of, and it's tied back in a silly way back to my dad, who was a high school football quarterback star and two of my siblings were both, you know, high school athletes and all American and were really talented. And, um, and we kind of like grew up as like a sports family a little bit almost. And I felt like I had to be that too. And so me giving up basketball was just sort of saying like, I'm not going to hold on any longer to my idea of who, of who I am and my identity. Now I'm going to finally take on God's identity for me. And I'm going to go fully invest in, you know, what God has for me and I'm going to do ministry and yeah. do worship, which is like, okay, this is sort of weird, but like it was just a turning point in the way that I thought about my life where that was a big milestone of me giving up something that I wanted and then starting something that God had for me. That's good. Um, for me, so a third point is um, actually last year, August of uh, 2017 was a, I don't, there wasn't like a significant like moment, but mm. Kind of when I realized that I had uh, like a pretty strong um, like fear of man that I was dealing with. And um, when I say fear of man, what I mean is simply just the idea of wanting to please people um, and make people happy. And it's kind of funny. A girl that I dated in high school, and that sounds weird to say, but <laughs> a girl that I dated in high school, um, she used to tell me like, oh, you're such a people pleaser. And I remember thinking like, you couldn't be more wrong about me. Like I mm. am not a people pleaser. I don't need and to please anybody. Yeah. I was thinking like, you're, you're dumb. But I kind of realized like last year, no, I struggle a lot with wanting to please people. And like, if I know I should do something, but if I f- think that others like won't improve, like it's, ho- it's like a battle for me. Like mm. I, I really feel like it's a strong, like fear of man. Um, specifically with, uh, I would say like with uh, any type of, type of like boss like figure in my life and like my dad, like those mm. type of like figures, like um, like high up people. I feel like I want, I really want to please. Yeah. And Disapproval from authority basically. He, yeah. And yeah. so I always thought kind of growing up, like this is good. It's good that I respect these people and, and it is, but I've kind of realized like if when it becomes a point to where it's like a fear and it like drives my actions and that's when it's, it's an issue. And so um, last year in August is kind of when I identified that and realized, oh, wow, this is like a problem in my life. And so, um, you know, I, I think that I experienced like a lot of breakthrough in that, but it's definitely still like a struggle. It's still something that kind of comes up in my life that I have to 
like when it when it comes up, I recognize it and then like push it away and don't let, let that drive me. Mm. Um, but I, I put that down as a turning point because when I identified that last year and realized it, I mean, I experienced a lot of freedom. Like there's mm. a lot of things that I'm doing today in my life that I wouldn't be doing if I was still like bound by this fear. And so um, yeah. there was no significant like moment, but just kind of the overall realization of this fear was a big deal. So, yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, I mean, that's, I think I, like that's so relatable. You know what I mean? Everyone struggles with pleasing other people. Yeah. Like the social pressure is real. The family pressure is real. The societal and cultural pre- pressure is real. Um, and so that's cool. I'm really glad. Um, another one for me was, when this was right after we graduated high school and we were going into our freshman year of college and I took a trip. So pretty much not all, but I mean, a lot of our friends moved away from San Diego to Phoenix, Arizona to go to GCU. And so we made a trip out of it and me and a friend, Jeremy Joyner, uh, we just took a car out and went to go visit um, our friends. And so, you know, the ride from San Diego to Phoenix is like, four hours if you go like 80 or 90 yeah, the whole you're, way you're crazy it's like five and a half yeah dude. it's like five and a half or six it should hours be five it and should half. be yeah. yeah yeah we we actually we made it once in like three and a half hours yeah, I did it, like it was great yeah i don't recommend it um but uh this is right after high school you know if you think about your senior year of high school or anyone who's in senior year of high school the question is what are you gonna do what's your plans what do you want to be and it's sort of like the, and it's such a huge question mm-hmm. to be asking, but also be, to be trying to answer when you're a senior in high school, when you're, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And, um, and so I had this, this thought, like, I want to be an accountant and I want to live a normal, average, ordinary life, work hard, put in my hours, have a family, you know, do the nine to five, come home, have my hobbies, serve in church and just basically live like your standard kind of life and um as that was that's that's what i thought and then as me and jeremy joiner were were driving you know i mean it was only like 30 minutes in and then already it's like you know so like what are your plans like you know tell me more you're going to you know whatever college and you're studying what and i was like yeah you know so i'm going to be an accounting major and starting going to community college and so i think you know maybe i'll just be an accountant or in finance one day, work my way up the corporate ladder maybe. And, and he just like kind of nod in his head and, you know, it only took me like 30 seconds to explain my whole life vision basically. And he, and then like I, I stopped and I was finished and then he was kind of just like, that's it. I was like, yeah, I mean, uh, that's it. Right. And, and he was like, Oh, okay. I was like, well, so what about you? And, and then he you know, went on, if you know, Jeremy Joyner, like he's just like the, the biggest thinker and he has all these wild ideas. And so then he's, you know, spewed out all these ideas. Like I want to start this company and blah, blah, travel the world. I'll do this, do that, meet this person, meet that person, you know, this hobby, that hobby. And, um, and it's not like he, it's not like he, uh, disagreed with me, but he challenged me, you know, when he said, is that really it? And then we got later talking more about it, Mm -hmm. you know, so why do you want to do that? And, why do you want to just have a nine to five job or why do you feel like you don't want to do any more than that? And, um, and maybe for the, for the, for the first time, really, it made me kind of rethink the conventional life, Mm -hmm. uh, path that I had for myself. And, but I think it also was, I mean, it was really a blessing in disguise because it got me to think more about God's plan for me and not just my own conventional plan for myself. And, uh, so after that, um, I mean, that, that was a turning point for me and just that whole conversation, because right after that, then I started to have, um, a more of a curiosity to, for like business and for entrepreneurship. Um, but also just thinking about my life differently in general, not thinking about things in terms of, um, like point A to point B work 40 years, retire, you know, live fat and happily until you die but more of like a guy what do you have for me like let's take as many you know left and right turns as possible let's see what you know you have for me and i'm not just going to kind of rely on myself for this vision but i'm going to allow you to give me the vision for my life 
And, uh, and that kickstarted a lot of things like my curiosity and entrepreneurship and software and e-commerce and, and all sorts of stuff. And I started reading like crazy and, uh, sort of kicked off my quote unquote career. Um, but also just in general, the way that I think about things now a lot. I mean, that was when I started listening to podcasts, which I'm like a, a podcast fanatic. You know, I listen to podcasts like two hours a day or something. It's, it's stupid. And it's not like I'm just wasting it away, but overall it's, it's just a different way of thinking about life, not in terms of point A to point B conventional. This is how society says this is a good life, but now think about what does God have for me? What are some unconventional things that God might have for me? And, uh, and following through with some of the desires that God has put on my heart. Yeah. That's cool that you, um, you know, having a friend like Jeremy that challenged you and kind of got you to think, cause yeah. if he wasn't there, you might not be doing this kind of stuff. You know, you could very totally. well, you know, it's yeah. crazy thinking about that. Like literally he, he could have changed a big course of your life because of yeah. that challenge. You know? Yeah. And it's weird. Like, I mean, everything could have been different, but obviously the Lord had that kind of word for me at that specific time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just, it just changed a lot. So it's cool. Um, let's see here. So, um, another one for me was, um, actually really recent. I wrote this down, but, um, leaving the family business and starting mm-hmm. my own business. So that, yeah. uh, like that just happened within like the last like five weeks. And so it's brand new, but, um, like that is a, I haven't seen like the fruit yet, you know, but it's like a huge turning point. So yeah. not only like leaving a career and like a job that I've uh, done, but like the family business and then starting like a new company. So, um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say because I'm like in the thick of it, but, um, well explain sort of the, I mean the uh, family business. And yeah, the I, I know we've talked about it in other, other episodes, so it's kind of right. But I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go through it again. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, so my my family, my dad owns a landscaping company, and he started it um, on his own with him and my mom. And um, thirty five years later, like he has a pretty good sized company. That's how long it was. Yeah, it's been about thirty five years. Yeah, that's crazy. crazy. Um, and so, I mean, how he started it was pretty uh, interesting. So he worked for um, the water district, and on the weekends he would do like side jobs for landscaping. And he kind of realized, hey, you know. In one day on a Saturday, I make more than I more make more money than I do all week long on my other job, and so mm. he kind of thought, huh, like why don't I start a business? And yeah. like before that, he he knew growing up that he always wanted to have his own company, and so that's how that business started. And um, you you fast forward three or five years, it's pretty good sized company. We have about 120 employees right now, so um, it's a good small business. And um, and yeah, so I you know my whole life thought. Um, like I said, when I was, when I was growing up, I was always told that I was going to be like a business person. That's kind of like what my parents told me, what yeah. people around me, like that was kind of like ingrained in me. And so I thought, okay, like, you know, I'm going to go to, uh, go to high school, you know, graduate obviously, and then I'm going to go to college online and I'm going to start working for the business day one and work my way up and go to school at the same time, get my degree and then just climb, you know, climb the ladder with the company. And so I, I, that was my plan. And, um, I did it for about five and a half, almost six years, um, like working full time after after high school and all the way up until the last couple months. And I just kind of realized, you know, like this is not what I want to do. Like I. It's just hard. Yeah, it was hard. I mean, I. Well, it's funny. So I don't care for landscaping. Like that's the first thing I should say. Like I don't care for that. And I think that. I think when you th- like business is about the people, not really about like what you're what you're selling or what you're doing. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Like you have to support and be behind it to some extent, but at the same time, it's really more about like the people interaction and the actual like day to day work rather than you know the actual you know it's more about the lifestyle. So yeah. Um, but I I think at the end of the day, I realized like no, like I have like an entrepreneurial drive in me and not necessarily like a business drive. There's, there's a difference, mm-hmm. and so. I think once I realized that, I was kind of like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, to do this. And so, so yeah, that's kind of the background. And then I, yeah, I mean, I had my last day at the company a few weeks ago and now I'm have my own business and that's kind of that. And so it's crazy. Like I, again, I'm in the thick of it and so I don't have like, I can't really tell you how it's impacted my right. life yet. <laughs> right. Maybe in a few months or a couple, a year or two. But, um, yeah. but I, I, what I can say is like, I, 
I've so we talked earlier about those times of waiting, those times of when like man, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Like this, like doing like when life is not what you want it to be, mm-hmm. and you're you're in the thick of doing something that you just don't want to do. Yeah, like I've done it for a long time. Like I I would say the last three years I really did not enjoy working you know at for the family business, but I stuck it out and I did it. And um, it was a long time of like working hard and not really sure why I was doing it. And so uh, now like doing what like, I love, like for like, just owning my own business and like being able to, to do that is so rad. Like I'm yeah. so thankful. Like I kind of funny, like I, I've shared that I had that moment in my senior year of high school of kind of thinking like, wow, mm. like my life is what I want. You right. know, I just had that a couple of days ago. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. Like this life, is it. Yeah, I'm, I'm it. doing it. And yeah. so, I just feel satisfied. I feel excited. I feel thankful. And I, I just feel um, like I, at least right now I'm doing what I was made to do. And I don't mm-hmm. think that I'll do this forever. I don't think it's like the, the end all, but at least, you know, for this season of life this is what I'm committed to doing. And so I feel excited and I feel like I'm finally um, like walking in what I should be doing. Also wanted to add, um, I'm glad it came in this order. Like I, hmm. I think that, you know, I, Obviously, it would be great if I could have could have been doing this, you know, four years ago, and I, if I could have skipped the last four years of doing something that something that I did not want to do. But I think that I learned a lot the last four, you know four or five years, and um, not only did I learn, but I think the process is important. And I think that if I would have skipped that and gone to gotten what mm, I wanted right away, yeah. it would have been like a disservice to me. And so yeah. I'm glad that it took the time that it took, and that I'm here now. So. Yeah, that it reminds me of um, something. I think it was Seth Godin talking about, but uh, he talks about sunken cost bias, which sounds like oh god, I just checked out. What the heck does that mean? But basically, talks about like if you're if you've invested yourself in something, and then you realize that it's not what you wanted usually people stay because they've already invested that much. And mm. so a stunt cost is like a cost that you just can't recuperate. So that's, you feel that's like super real. Like those yeah. Thoughts. So you feel like, Oh my gosh, I just spent six years at this company and now I'm not going to get the position that I wanted. This was all a waste of time. But in reality, there's no such thing as a sunken cost because there's always lessons learned and there's growth through that. And there's experience and there's skills that you gain and, um, and then there's opportunities like this where maybe sometimes that sunk cost is just you developing until the right moment and the right mm-hmm. opportunity where then you can step out yeah. and do something differently. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of sunk costs like relationship sunk costs. Like, a, you know, mm-hmm. I've been with this person for so long and I don't want to give up on us, on us now. If, you know, if we wait any longer, uh, you know, we'll be too yeah. old to have kids or sunk costs with careers like you just mentioned or sunk costs with um, all sorts of things, even with costs, you know, I've bought all this furniture. If I sell it, I only get a fraction of the cost, you know, well, the furniture is bogging you down and you're stuck buying stuff all the time, then get rid of it. Like it mm-hmm. does, there's no such thing as a sunk cost, but yeah, so I mentioned that, um, one of my other moments, so I'm going to kind of lump both of these together. And actually I'd be curious to hear your thoughts for, for Connie as well. But I want to talk about my moments with Monique. The first one being, um, when we basically when we first talked so we we met in high school and I'll, I'll save the full story for when we get them on the podcast that'd monique be is his wife just to be oh honest. yeah monique, monique's my wife uh hey monique babe love you shout out to the realist she's gonna <laughs> so hate that i said that um we met <laughs> in high school uh right after i got saved actually going into sophomore year of high school and we were at day at the bay which is like a little church outing at the bay and um and basically so we met we knew each other in high school never talked we're never friends she thought i hated her i just kind of didn't really want to like be friends with her kind of invest in it because she was in and out of church and going through a lot of stuff and then uh her and her best friend gabby and then me and you all started hanging out after all of our friends left for gcu and we all started on the same home group and we started started hanging out and we were around each other we didn't really like talk very much and then there was one night where we were all hanging out at Gabby's house and, um, and you and Gabby were talking you were just like around like a bonfire and just all hanging out. Was Alex Nye there? He might've been. I think I'm yeah. Alex Nye. I think so. It was, yeah, maybe it was you guys were talking. I don't know. And, um, and so I'm on one side of the bonfire and Monique's on the opposite end of the bonfire. And so like basically everyone's talking to each other except for us. We're not talking to anyone. So I just <laughs> thought like, I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to talk to Monique. Like uh, we've never been friends and never talked to each other. I have no idea what we have in common, but like, I'm just going to talk to her. When was this in high school? No, this was right after college. Uh, Right when I mean, I'm sorry. Right after high school. school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Going into our sophomore year of college. And you still haven't talked to her at that point? No, not at all. I didn't know that. I mean, we had been around each other done. We even did homeless ministry together, but we never talked to each other. Interesting. Just for like a few months here and there. Um, Never had like a a real actual conversation. Maybe it was like a, hey, what's up? Or like, how's it going? But never anything real. And then, you know, so I'm sitting across the bonfire and it's like, I'm just going to go talk to her. So I pull my chair around next to her. I'm like, hey, how's it going? You know, like, what's up? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that was my my line. I don't know what I said. Uh, But basically, how's it going? Hey, what's up, girl? Um, How you doing? But, you know, just started talking, have a conversation, you know realized we had a lot in common and that kicked off our friendship. And that was really the, the catalyst, the moment that got us started in our friendship and eventually dating and then eventually getting married. Mm -hmm. But that was like, I mean, I think about that all the time. Like what if I didn't pull my chair around? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I feel like the Lord had us together and eventually we would have gotten talking at some point, Mm -hmm. but still it's pretty crazy to think like that one moment was pretty big for us and that, I decided to pull my chair around and we started talking and then we became friends and, and then that started everything and now we're married. So, uh, and then the sort of the second moment to that was when we actually got married and when she was walking down the aisle and you were next to me watching me ball my eyes out like a little (laughs) girl, like literally Uh, weeping, making terrible noises. And, uh, and that was so crazy to me because it was just the first time, like, well, the first time, obviously, I was getting married, but it was like this super new moment and realization of like, whoa, I'm getting married right now. And the thought that kept going through my head was, I'm making a covenant before the Lord. And I don't know why like, I thought of that, because it's really specific, and the Lord must have put that on my heart. But the thought was, I'm making a covenant with the Lord, mm-hmm. and this is my wife. And it was just so mind-blowing and so crazy to me. And it was that moment where, uh, like a realization of, I mean, and a really, really, really real realization of, I'm going to be a husband. I'm going to be a provider. I'm going to be a father one day. Like I need to step up this whole manhood thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the Lord had been speaking to me through that, the podcast being Mm -hmm. kind of a result of the Lord speaking through me a little bit on that. But, um, Monique definitely had some, some big moments in my life. That's cool. Yeah. I'm I'm curious about you and Connie. Well, I mean, I think mine kind of trumps you a little bit. You see, I have <laughs> oh, really? a, I have a boat, Corey. So oh, that's right. You know. <laughs> yeah, tell me about okay. So, uh, Con- so I I I knew Connie for a couple of years. I think she um she started going to our church. I think when she was like 17 <clears throat> or 18. Um, and so we had been around each other for I think two years or so. Um, never kind of same as you, Monique, never really talked, you know, I knew who she was, knew she was there, but, uh, never interacted, never talked to her, never knew her. And so, um, that was that. And then she started working for the family business and, um, for the bonds. Yeah. For the bonds. And so because, yeah. So, um, because of that, we just started interacting with each other and I was around her a lot at the office and we just, you know, we found ways to like work together. Um, kind you of found ways to work oh, together? Of course. Hey. Kind of funny story. So we, um, rolling that desk chair over. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, so, uh, we had ju- the business, business had just switched phone carriers. We, I think we went from like <laughs> AT&T to, to Verizon. So, um, with that, we got a bunch of new phones and all the stuff. And so we had to sell like 30 cell phones. And so mm. like smart, you know, iPhones. And so, um, uh, I was I was the one tasked with like selling them, and so uh, Connie like had a friend of hers that that wanted a phone. So Connie was like, "Hey, can you like give this person a phone?" Blah blah. And yeah, so I used that as a chance to get her number. So I was like, "Hey, can you give me your number so we can whatever?" Oh. And so I got her number, and not sure how, but we Sneaky just sneaky done. All right, and so we started talking more and more, and um, I wasn't like, I mean, I was interested, but I wasn't like, she's the one. I just I wanted to get to right. know her, you know, and so um, started talking. And then, uh, dude, I, f- I freaking took her fishing on, on the boat. And so she couldn't say no to that. I mean, yeah, took, the her, took her on the Julie Ann. That was a funny day. And so the day started, we 
we she came over at like six in the morning like oh early because when i fish like i'm fooled. oh yeah it was funny real. like you i do it right. i was multitasking like i was trying to you know get to know this girl but at the same time i wanted to fish and so <laughs> i efficiency right was there. like yo like you come over early we're gonna freaking fish and we're gonna hang out together like, we're gonna do both and yeah. so um she came over at like six in the morning i remember that and we went fishing and like uh yeah it was great we were in the bay and um it was a fun day and then i told her hey like at night whatever uh some friends of mine are having like a little get together we'll go have dinner but what she didn't know is it was like a couple's night and so uh <laughs> it was a lot of people it was like i think four couples so eight people but it was like a day for sure you know and so yeah um we went fishing like By all default, day dude yeah. like fishing like six in the morning until i think like three or four in the afternoon like a long day got home i like, washed the boat off like um kind of funny first time ever like spent time together we like came home. She was upstairs. I went downstairs. We both like showered and like changed <laughs> and got ready, and then like went on a date together. So super weird dynamic. Like yeah, that's the weirdest I probably I didn't ever. I didn't think it through in my head. It just kind of like yeah. happened that way. But uh, yeah, it was funny. Like, we didn't even really know me, and she's like showering in my house. Like, that was funny. <laughs> uh, and then uh, that was cool. And so anyway, when we went fishing, though, we had we were with some friends all day, so we weren't alone. But it was cool. Like in the afternoon, getting home, like getting you know refreshed, whatever. And then, like, from then on, it was, like, a date. So, like, mm. 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock on, took her in my in my car, and we went to the house, and we had, like, a dinner and played, like, board games, whatever, and came home, and we talked that night in my driveway for a couple hours and, um, and said goodnight, and, and that was that. And so, um, anyway, it, that was kind of how it all started, and it was funny. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. That's cool. And then, bada-bing, bada-boom, now we're engaged. Bada-bing, bada-boom, that's how the engagement went down. Yeah, dude. That's cool. Um, I should probably should have... I did these in like kind of chronological order, but again, I'm going to kind of end my points with a downer. Uh, I I know just the steep decline. Maybe you can bring us back up with one more point if you can pull one out. Um, but the, my, the last moment for me, the last turning point was, um, when, so this was, uh, let me think this was my senior, no, my junior year of college. Um, it was, I'd, I'd spent a week on a missions trip with Foothills going down to Mexico and Sonata, Mexico. We were serving at an orphanage, kind of your classic missions trip, and it was really good. Um, and when I, so I didn't like have any cell service or anything. When we were driving back, you know, we're crossing the border and we, we we're getting back and we probably got back to the church at like five. And then I went back to Monique's house and then I turned my phone on again and I saw that I had like, 15 texts from my mom and a couple calls and it was all like, Hey, call me when you get a chance. Call me, call me, call me, call me, call me. So I was like, okay, this is really weird. We've never had any sort of like emergency before. Like it was sort of a first time, you know what I mean? And so I was like, this is really bizarre. Um, so then, uh, I call her. I'm like, Hey, you know, what's up? How's it going? She's like, good. Uh, everything's okay. And I was like, Oh boy, it's like something is wrong. You know, as soon as someone says like, it's okay. Then you know something's bad that has happened. Um, and so she's like, it's okay. Your dad's doing fine now. Um, but this morning he had a stroke and, um, the doctors are still, you know, diagnosing and sort of figuring it out. But, um, right now the right side of his body is paralyzed and, uh, and you know, he can still, you know, talk and speak and he's still a normal person for all intents and purposes. But, uh, but you know, the right side of his body is essentially paralyzed. Um, so it was like a big shock, obviously, you know what I mean? Like we, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, I had no, it, you know, you don't expect that to happen. So to hear that was just a, a huge kind of moment. Um, and sort of why it's a turning point for me is that before that, a lot of, um, basically when I started to fall away from the Lord in middle school, uh, I started like kind of like deteriorating my relationship with my dad and, um, like didn't care to kind of talk with him or be around him or I was just kind of like a, a brat in a lot of ways to him for some reason. I don't really know why. Like, I think it's just sort of like a natural rebellion when you're kind of living in sin is you just rebel against this kind of spiritual authorities or the authorities that in, in your life. And he was the authority in my life as my dad, obviously. And that sort of carried over into high school, even after I got saved, 
where um, I was like just not good to him and I was not like a, I was just a brat. Well, I was very defiant, like didn't hardly speak to him at all. Um, I mean, I can, I don't, I don't know if I can recall any conversations with him in high school at all. Like it was just drive me to school, silent, pick me up after church, silent, which is stupid. You know what I mean? Like I'm super embarrassed now to like say that because it was just so like meaningless and so pointless. And, um, and there were some points, you know, where we would talk or have fun or go out some, some places, but I was definitely harboring a lot of bitterness towards him specifically. Um, both of my parents in some ways, but definitely more him. And, uh, and I knew it too, even like when I was, uh, you know, in church and I was saved at that point and I was growing with the Lord. Like I knew that it was sort of always in the back of my head, like this is something that I haven't dealt with. And, um, and then, you know, things basically just got worse and worse and worse and didn't talk to each other at all. And then, so then my mom calls me and says, you know, he's had a stroke. And I mean, there's like so much like regret and so much remorse and like, oh geez, like everything's different. You know what I mean? And so I pretty much knew immediately, like I have to deal with this and I, and I have to, to change the way that I act towards him and that I think about him and that basically I have to like, you know, uh, not repair, but I have to stop ignoring our relationship in a lot of ways. And, um, and so in my, you know, in my heart, I forgave him for a lot of things, you know, spilled a lot of things to Monique. Um, I think I, I talked to maybe John or some other people about it. Um, and, and then, so in a lot of ways, it was a huge blessing because I was able to like be compassionate towards my dad again. And I was able to, like, I had a desire to have a relationship with him and to talk with him and to talk with both my parents and so it was sort of a catalyst and an excuse to spend a lot of time with him, especially when he first had a stroke and he was in a, um, like a, a rehab center in El Cajon and in between classes, after class, every day, almost, uh, I would make a trip over there and sit and talk and, you know, spent more time than I ever had ever before. And, uh, in a lot of time, that time with Monique as well, which really, really helped. Um, but, uh, you know, so it really kind of, helped me, but also just repair a relationship and, and, um, you know, got to kind of re, I mean, sort of, it was a lot of God just plowing up the ugly stuff in my heart and cultivating it. Like we were talking about in our to cultivate and keep episode. Um, just a lot of necessary kind of like dirt and junk that was just mm-hmm. brought up and that finally had to be dealt with. Um, but then, you know, just continually like, you know, so this is more recent, but about three months ago in June, he had another minor stroke on the same part of his brain for the same side of his body. So nothing really was changed or affected. But then about a month ago, he had another stroke in a different part of his brain that uh, affected his sort of cognitive decision-making ability and his ability to speak. And, um, and so now that's been, you know, a lot of things have been repaired and a lot of, you know, things have been better. We have a good relationship but now it's, it's just even harder just kind of going through that and being with that. And, you know, there's definitely still like some remorse about, you know, not being able to, uh, to talk like normal people and, um, you know, not having those conversations in high school and not ever having kind of that traditional father son kind of relationship that you see in the movies. Um, but it was really, I mean, it was that, and, and things are good now. Like, even if he can't speak, like things are better now than they were in high school, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about. But it was that moment, you know, when my mom had that, it really changed me. And I think it was also, it was just a time for me to grow up a little bit and, and deal with things. Like I can't just keep being a brat to my parents and I can't just keep like being a, a dummy and I need to deal with the hard stuff and I need to do like what's uncomfortable and what's hard. I need to face it. Um, so that was sort of a catalyst for me, you know, in the last couple of years of just really intense growth and really intensely just kind of facing my fears and quote my demons, if you will, but, um, you know, just facing that head on and, yeah. and changing all that. Good. Um, <laughs> 
Do you have another point to say this whole? Well, I was going to ask, do you want me to like bring it home or do you want to end on that? Uh, bring it home. Bring it home. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I thought of, of a few. Um, well, first of all, dude, that's all like heavy stuff. And um, yeah. I think that like, well, I know the way you're handling it is, I think, better than most. And um, thinking like, so you, now your dad can't speak and you, you can't have like a normal conversation with him. So I think like, praise the Lord. And it's good that you did the mending yeah. and the repairs, you know, in years past before today. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> there are two quick things that I thought of. Um, one of them was like an actual time. I remember um, another one was kind of just like a, a change of my thought process. Um, so the first one was actually with you when we went to Seattle, um, hmm. I think this was last year. Um, so me and Corey yeah. took like a five day trip to Seattle just to get away and have some, have some fun. And uh, on that trip, uh, we stayed in just this beautiful home that was kind of out in like the hills and all green. And I think it was like a big farm basically. And so yeah, pretty much beautiful, super green. Amazing. I love Seattle. Anyway, um, on this trip, uh, I, I took some time and kind of just wrote out a list. And so, I've read out a list of what are the things that I want in a woman? What are the things that I want specifically in, the, in a wife? Mm, and right. I think that's some, something we should all, as men, we should all do that. Um, mm. My mentor at the time recommended that I, that I do that. So I did it and kind of thought, okay, like this is weird, but I'll do it. And it was like super, super cool. I had this yeah. moment afterward of just complete assurance of like, okay, you know, like um, the Lord kind of spoke to me and just kind of reassured me like, like times in the past how he has, how the Lord has come through for me and, and my life has, um, when, when I followed him, how my life has become what, what I wanted it to be. It was kind of like this moment of, okay, you know, as long as I follow him and trust him, he's going to bring this about for me, you know? And so, and that was like a cool, like turning point for me, just, uh, kind of writing it out, releasing it and trusting him. And so it was at a time when I was really like longing for a wife mm, and I yeah. wanted someone really badly. And so, um, it was just cool to do that. And then funny thing is I, I wrote out the qualities or I wrote it all out. And actually a few months ago I went back and read it and it's cool. Really? Like, just about like everything on there is like what Connie is, which, which was yeah, cool. Like just to cool. see like how that like lined up. Um, and so yeah, that was cool. Um, another one was, um, just like a desire that kind of rose up in me a couple years ago, just to want to learn, like a desire to want to mm. read and yeah. to want to absorb and soak up information, whether it's, you know, listening, reading, um, researching, writing, whatever it is. I just, I just want to learn and yeah. continually grow. And so that wasn't like a key moment, but that kind of started with me a couple of years ago. Um, and once college kind of got out of the way, it was like one of those things where I have time now and the capacity to, um, to learn and to just continually, you know, gain knowledge. And so, uh, that's been a, that's had a big impact on my life. And I think, I hope that that will always continue as I For sure. get older. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think the, the sort of ultimate lessons learned from a lot of these turning points is, well, one that everyone's going to have sort of these turning points and they're going to have these moments of, of, you know, extreme growth or things that impact you a lot or things that you take, and you carry it with you for the rest of your life or for a certain period or, or season your life. Um, but I think it's really important, like recognize that those things are turning points and then, you know, seek the Lord for how he's going to use those points for you and seek the Lord for, you know, what he wants to do in those seasons and for the things that he's going to um, help you to grow and develop in. And, and really it's just about recognizing those things and then asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what are you going to do with this? How do you want me to receive this? You know, what are you challenging me to do? Um, and then taking that with you as sort of a, you know, a victory, if you will, of, of you know, I have this now. The Lord's got me. You know, now I'm just going to keep pushing forward and, and keep uh, and keep going. So. Well, cool. Cool, cool. Over and out? No, no, not over and out. Not yet, but can we start that process? Well, yes, we can start that I'm, process. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it. Well, hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, <coughs> I'm a little sick, so I'm... Oh, okay, anyway, um, <coughs> when I don't talk for like a minute, my throat like closes up. Mm-hmm. So just keep talking. <sighs> Not a problem. I, I like to talk. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, go follow us um, on Instagram. Instagram, baby. Instagram, baby. Twitter. But mainly Instagram. Instagram. We're going to put the most work into Instagram. So if you just, if you just have one thing, just do Instagram. There we go. Yeah. Um, You can email us at, oh, I'm sorry. You can email (laughs) us. 
at cultivateandkeep.com. Yeah. I, I think at this point we can just say you can email us at cultivateandkeep.com. Yes. And then people will know. That, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It makes it easy. Cool. Uh, reach out to us on social medias. Uh, join our Facebook group. You can support us on Patreon. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, tell us what you think of these episodes. Ask us questions. Um, no, you can't do the outro music. You have to wait because we can't hear it, but that's true. then our listeners right get to hear it. now. Right Boom. now. Fire. There it is. Peace. Listen to it. Enjoy. Deuces. Deuces.